All right, Braves fans, let's get rolling. I'm George McNair, and this is State of the Braves. Guys, I'm coming to you after the Braves have this epic come-from-behind win to even up the series against the Phillies at one game apiece. If you missed this game, how in the world did you miss it? You need to go back and watch it, especially the last few innings as the Braves go down 4 to nothing, uh, and starting in the sixth inning, begin a comeback uh, to, to defeat the Phillies in game two. And uh, wow, what a performance from Austin Riley, uh, especially. It was a great performance by the bullpen to hold the game and hold the Phillies at four runs. Uh, Michael Harris with a tremendous catch at the wall in this double play uh, that actually was historic uh, to end the game uh, and bring the Braves back uh, to a 1-1 tie with the Phillies. So you go down 2 nothing to the Phillies. Going back to Philadelphia, it's not impossible for the Braves to have, uh, you know, still taken care of business, but it was going to be an incredibly difficult task. So to even up this series is huge. And now you have to feel like the Braves have some kind of momentum, even if you aren't a huge believer in momentum in baseball, that they have some kind of momentum going into uh, the rest of this series. So, all right, guys, so let's go ahead and jump into game one of this series. And on paper, it sure looked good for the Braves. Spencer Strider, who has dominated the Phillies really all season and all throughout his career, uh, outside of last postseason game, which you know is an asterisk because he was coming off of injury in that game. But anyway, Strider has been so good against Philly, and you're just feeling really good about this game. And unfortunately, it didn't go the Braves' way. And the main reason was not Strider. He was pretty solid, but it was the offense that went totally silent in this game and, and the Braves are not used to the offense being totally shut down. The Braves lose this game three to nothing, uh, but it started early with uh, a costly error from Strider on a pickoff attempt. Uh, so this uh, set up Bryson Stott uh, hitting a ball the other way, a single to bring in the first run. Later in the game, uh, you have a solo home run from Bryce Harper off of a slider from Spencer Strider. Uh, it wasn't really a hanging slider, but it stayed in the zone, and it kind of looked like like Harper was was uh, hunting that slider, and he took it out to uh, the chop house. It was a solo home run, so at that point, it's still only 2 nothing. but the Braves' offense just could not get anything uh, to, to happen in this game. Uh, you had a third run tacked on late, and this, of course, was the catcher's interference call and, you know, it's a little, uh, you know, was it actually catcher's interference? It's almost impossible to tell if this was actually catcher's interference or not. The way that Sean Murphy reacted, it kind of looked like something happened there. You do have a lot of Braves fans really upset at this moment. And this is where you guys probably saw it. If you're watching it, you have a lot of Braves fans booing. And there's uh, fans throwing trash on the field. And this is never a good thing. And unfortunately, Braves fans have done this uh, a few different times. And look, remember, I'm coming to you as a lifelong Braves fan. I totally get the frustration. You know, I think people who are have come to the Braves over the last few years uh, don't understand fully the frustration that is deep within <laughs> Braves fans with playoff disappointment. And, you know, anytime it feels like that's happening, or that an injustice is being done to the Braves, um, then you know a lot of that comes out, right? We're kind of wounded from that. And I think even 
a lot of podcasters out there, the other guys who follow the Braves from a media perspective, don't fully appreciate that because they didn't experience it growing up or being a fan of the Braves. That being said, I, I wish that Braves fans would stop doing this, stop throwing trash on the field. It looks, well, it looks trashy. It looks bad. And, um, it, it does, it does not speak well to what is a great fan base guys. I think Braves fans are some of the smartest, most passionate fans of baseball. We support our, our team and our players so well. I just wish that this stopped being a thing. You know, I was actually at the infield fly game and this is of course the most epic moment of Braves fans booing and just getting all of our frustration out. And a lot of fans in that game threw stuff on the field. I was not one of those who threw stuff. I was certainly booing loudly uh, because I thought it was such a bad call. I still think it's a bad call, <laughs> but I got drenched with beer that night from, you know, I was in the, in the first level and uh, all the beer being thrown on onto the field just drenched all of us on uh, the first level. And, uh, you know, you just wish it didn't happen because, look, this is a game uh, for the kids. And, you know, kids watch this and, and you, want, um, you want fans to be positive fans, right? Cheering for your team. And, yeah, I think it's perfectly fine to boo the other team, to boo uh, the umpires, especially when you think it's a bad call. But doing so in a way that is, um, you know, that is of high character. And um, so I, I would really like for this to stop being a thing for Braves fans. Maybe this can be the last time we see it and uh, we can move on from it. I don't want to spend any more time on it than that, other than I just wanted to address it a little bit. But anyways, it ended up really not mattering, right, because the Braves could not score one run, much less three, to tie the game. The bats totally went silent in this game. The Braves only managed five singles, uh, no extra base hits. The Braves, I don't think, had been shut out at home since 2021. So uh, what, a, what a bad time for the bats to go totally silent in this one. But they did. Uh, the only major scoring opportunity, it seemed like, was late in the game. Ozzy came up first and third with one out. Trey Turner makes a great diving catch um, to double up Ozzy in the eighth inning, and that just kind of just squashed any chance the Braves might have had uh, for a late inning move. You know, one thing that I did not love in this game, and it actually happened before the game even started, was when I saw how Snicker had done the lineup. Um, you know, he shifted Ozzy down to the four hole. Uh, he brought Riley up to the two hole. And he did this for what makes a lot of sense in theory, right? So the Braves are going up against a lefty starter. Ozzy crushes left-handed hitters. And in a way, he kind of protects by being behind Olsen. The idea is that he protects Olsen, that if you're going to bring in any kind of lefty from the bullpen as well, which the Phillies have a lot of those guys, you have Ozzy behind Olsen. Who, and Ozzy is one of the best hitters against left-handed pitching in all of baseball. Um, so in theory, yeah, all of that makes sense. Now I don't love it because I just generally philosophically don't like the idea of doing something you haven't done all season and suddenly you're doing it in the playoffs. I'm not opposed to the general theory behind it. Um, 
And I'm also not blaming Snicker for making this move. And that's why the Braves got shut out. Uh, I just generally don't like it. I just don't like the idea of doing something you haven't done all year and the possible psychological effect this could have on your team. Now, that is totally, it's unprovable, right? I mean, I can't sit here and say if the Braves had just kept things normal and Ozzy had hit second and Riley hit, had hit third, that um, all would have been well and the Braves would have scored five runs and, and would have won the game. Could that have happened? Yeah, sure. But I don't I don't know that it had any effect. I just know that generally I was not a fan of it when I saw it on paper and the Braves got shut out in game one. Uh, I saw uh, Dave O'Brien, uh, you know, he, he writes for The Athletic and follows the Braves, uh, just kind of, you know, saying, hey, you, look, you, this had no effect. It, it's kind of dumb to bring it up. I don't think it's dumb to bring it up. I, I'm not blaming Snicker for the Braves losing game one. All I'm saying is I don't like the idea of doing something you haven't done all season. If this was, you know, the, the most brilliant move in history, then why isn't he doing it throughout the entire year when the Braves face a left-handed pitcher? Um, this is basically, you know, Ozzy in the two hole, Riley in the three hole, Olsen in the four hole. This has been the lineup basically, uh, from, you know, about a third of the way through the season and the Braves have had a historically good offense. So my, why mess with a good thing? That's all I'm saying. Anyways, uh, game one didn't go well for the Braves and outside of, um, you know, sn Snicker playing with the lineup a little bit. Honestly, I think the biggest thing was this layoff. You know, the layoff has affected the Braves. It's affected every team that has had this buy and, having seen almost every game the Braves have played this year, they just looked tight. They looked like they weren't quite ready for the playoff atmosphere. You know, it's like they weren't quite themselves. Like, you know, physically, you know, the energy was just down. And the Phillies are like fully in it, right? They've already played a series against the Marlins. They're raring to go. And they're, they're, they come out swinging. Right. And they have no intimidation factor by playing the Braves. We know that, too. So it, it just felt like that was definitely a big thing going to the going into this game. So let's go ahead and talk about this long layoff that all these teams who had the best record in baseball had to undergo and the impact of it. So, you know, four teams in baseball with the two best records in both leagues get a bye for the wild card round. And those four teams are now uh, having played two games apiece are now two and six, right? And presumably these are the four best teams in baseball all throughout the year. Almost all of them are a hundred. Actually, I think all of them won a hundred plus games. And yet here they are at two and six. Um, maybe only the Astros didn't win a hundred, but anyways, you get my point. The Orioles and Dodgers are now on the brink of elimination, both losing their first two games uh, down Owen uh, down Owen two and both going on the road. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's not impossible that they could come back, but they're definitely, their backs are definitely against the wall on the brink of elimination. The Braves and the Astros having split their games at home. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's possible that all four of these teams could be eliminated and you'd have all of the lower seeds, uh, you know, surviving and moving on 
in the playoffs. Obviously, for Braves fans, we hope that doesn't happen. But it certainly seems like on paper and not on paper that um, something's weird with this playoff format, that it is not, you know, this uh, this buy system uh, that baseball has created to expand the playoffs is not benefiting uh, the the higher seeds at all, right? It's actually creating a disadvantage for teams with the two best records in both leagues, which is totally dumb. And that I'm sure that's not what they intended, but look, just because your intentions are good doesn't mean uh, much, right? It's It's the law of unintended consequences, and that's what's playing out, it seems like, in this type of playoff format that baseball has created. Now, sure, you don't want to be a part of the wild card round because you could lose in a three-game series, but for those teams that survive, it seems like that trial by fire, you know, they are raring to go, just like what we saw for the Phillies in game one. Like, they are fully in it and ready, Uh, and it's almost like this slingshot effect. You know, I was thinking of, like, like astronauts going around the moon. You know, it's like this slingshot effect that gives you more speed and gives you more momentum and all these, uh, you know, this confidence and the sharp play. And you're coming off of all this from that wildcard series. Meanwhile, the top seeds are standing still, right? And even with the Braves trying to create some kind of juice and, and, and momentum through this inter-squad play, it looks like it didn't really do much for them. I mean, maybe a little bit, right? But But doesn't seem like it did a whole lot for them. So I've never been a fan of the expanded playoffs. Uh, you used to have three division winners and one wild card. And that seemed to be a great system. Um, it, it made a lot of sense. Nobody had to wait around for a series and it worked great. And then baseball decided to mess with it. And of course, we all know why, right? More money. And look, I'm not opposed to people going out and trying to make more money, but I do think it has negatively affected the product on the field. You know, baseball, you play 162 games. Uh, my wife complains about that because I'm watching a whole bunch of baseball. 162 games is a lot, right? But it is a, it is a sport that is designed to be played basically every day. And with 162 games, the idea is that you prove who the best teams are, kind of without a doubt, right? 162 games to prove the best teams, uh, who the best teams are in the regular season. So way back in the day, that used to mean that the best team in the American League and the best team in the National League, best records just played in the World Series. There wasn't even an NLCS, right, way back in the day. And then, of course, um, as baseball expanded and more teams were added, then they added the divisions, but there were only two divisions. Uh, and those two teams, that's the NLCS and the ALCS, right? Only four teams made the playoffs. And it was really hard in baseball to make the playoffs. And it was supposed to be hard. Um, and then you had the, the expansion to three divisions and a wild card. But like I said, that still worked really well. But since baseball has expanded beyond that, you know, you had several years of uh, two wild cards and you had the one game playoff and that certainly made no sense. Baseball can be such a random sport with just one game um, that that clearly was not 
um, was not the solution. And there's a little bit of a conspiracy theorist in me that says that baseball had always wanted to expand to six teams and they knew that the one game wild card was going to be a big fail and um and they saw it coming and then they just kind of took the momentum from that and ran with it and it was much easier to get six teams uh instead of five because now you don't have to do a one game playoff that you know maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong but that's the conspiracy theorist in me not trusting the big wigs of major league baseball to make good decisions uh but here we are right the cat is out of the bag for this uh this brand of playoff baseball they are never going to retract the playoffs back to four teams for each league they're never going to do it they're making too much money off of it um, but what it does is it makes uh, the the baseball postseason way more random and i really do think it puts the lower seeds at a at an, an advantage as long as you survive that wild card round i think you are rolling and um, you have you have a lot of momentum slingshotting through the playoffs and the Phillies, you know, that happened to the Phillies last year. Now, uh, it didn't necessarily, you know, the Astros won it, right? And um, last year you had two top seeds make it through um, to the NL, to the, to the league championship series games and two lower seeds make it. Uh, this year, will it remains to be seen, but it sure seems like, this um, this system really is flawed. And look, the fact of the matter is, this is the system that exists and the Braves are gonna have to survive it. And I've always said, and I think I said it to you guys last time, if the Braves, I really believe, if the Braves can survive this series with the Phillies, that it's probably gonna be the hardest series that they have. Um, I think the Braves are going to benefit from seven game series, just whoever they're facing. I think that sets up better for them, but I also just think that the Phillies and the way that they play and the, their mentality, they're just hard to beat in the playoffs. Um, but if the Braves can, can knock them off, I really feel much better about them and they can get their feet under themselves for the rest of the playoffs and go from there. But yeah, not a, not a big fan of the extended playoffs. I'd love to hear your guys in the comments, give me your, um, maybe your suggestions of what could be done to fix it a little bit. I'm not giving you any solutions right now. I'm saying the Braves would just kind of have to survive it. But, um, you know, we'll see if, if baseball does try to tweak things a little bit. Maybe there's, maybe there's timing for when the season ends and when uh, the three-game series start and that sort of thing. But it sure feels like it's, it's a big disadvantage for those teams with buys. All right, well, let's, let's shift our focus back to game two, and um, this was an awesome, awesome game uh, that maybe can go, go go down in Braves lore as one of the better uh, playoff wins in Braves history. So Max Fried started this game for the Braves. Uh, he gave up four, sorry, he gave up three earned runs in four innings. Uh, he, he wasn't his sharpest. Remember, he's coming off of almost a 20-day layoff from the last time he pitched a regular season game to this game. So you know, the Braves are asking a ton of him. Certainly, they trust Max Freed, but they had to kind of guess that he wasn't going to be super sharp, and he wasn't. So, four innings pitched, three earned runs, six hits, and four walks allowed. That's, you know, 10 base runners in four innings is a lot. 
Um, and the fact that he only gave up three earned runs off of that is is probably a pretty a pretty good thing. You know, the the positive of this start, even though Max was not super sharp, is that no issues popped up with the blister. And, you know, if if that had happened, then you probably lose Freed for at least his next start. Um, you know, maybe you have to shut him down for another 15 days or so, and who knows when he would have to pitch again or when he would get to pitch again. So that didn't happen. And I think I expect uh, that Max's command is going to return to him quicker, uh, sooner rather than later. And, you know, he might get a game five start if necessary in this series, or if they, if the Braves are able to make it through and win the next two games, uh, Freed would start game one of the NLCS. And either way, right, I feel a lot better about that start than what he looked like in this start. Command is going to come with innings pitched. And, um, you know, he just hadn't had any innings, hardly at all, leading into this, uh, this start. On the other side of things, Zach Wheeler for the Phillies was dominant through five innings. I mean, I think he was pitching a no-hitter through five innings. He had 10 strikeouts in this game, but the Braves finally were able to break through in the sixth inning. Ozzie Albies has a single. Uh, Ronald was on first at the time. He's able to go first to third, and then as the Phillies are getting the ball in, Trey Turner uh, bobbles the ball and uh, allows Ronald to score. It was a really great heads-up base running um, play for Ronald. And honestly, I think one of the themes of this game is the Braves and all of the little things. They did all of the little things right, right? So Ronald is running with his head up. As soon as he sees that ball get away, he scores. Uh, so that that gets the Braves on the board. At that point, they're down 4-1, to one, but the crowd is into it. And I think even some of the Braves after the game basically said, yeah, I mean, once we got a run on the board, it's like, you know, the pressure was off a little bit. And it's like, let's just go play. So then Travis Darno comes up in the seventh inning. And I think Darno's home run is getting lost in the weeds just a little bit of the story of this game. You know, his two-run shot brings the, the Braves within one run. It was a first-pitch hanging slider that uh, that Wheeler left up to him, and Darno just absolutely annihilated it. And, you know, I think pitch selection was also a story of this game. The, the Phillies, um, the two home runs the Braves hit in this game were off of sliders, and it felt like to me that the Braves were behind the fastball all game. And Darno, he just, again, he gets this hanging slider. He doesn't miss it, um, and he puts it out to left field. And I feel great. For Travis, you know, he's had a down year offensively this year, but he has been clutch and clutch in the playoffs multiple times for the Braves, and he comes up big again right here. And then, of course, in the eighth inning, Austin Riley comes up with Acuna on base. Uh, Acuna actually was able to get all the way to third, uh, but Riley with, with two outs, uh, again, behind on the fastball. He was clearly looking fastball but he gets a hittable slider that he's out in front of. And he basically one hands uh, this home run out to left field. It wasn't for sure off the bat, but man, it was, I was guys, I was screaming. I was screaming at my house in front of the TV when this happened and I, and you might've been too, but this was just an awesome moment for Riley. Um, And yeah, it, it's cool to watch Braves, you know, whoever it is, it's cool to see, 
the guy come up big and it was really cool for Riley uh, to do so. And again, he did so on the defensive side of things in the ninth inning as well. So let's, let's go to that. So at this point it's five to four going into the ninth inning. And uh, you know, it was an interesting start to the inning because Snicker decides to stick with AJ mentor for one batter. Uh, Bryce Harper's coming up to start the ninth inning. So uh, mentor stays out lefty on lefty to face Harper. Unfortunately, mentor walked Harper. And, you know, I had the thought at the time it's like, well, you don't want him to walk him, but you also don't have to, you know, pitch to, to Harper anymore. I mean, you could see Harper, he's come up huge in the playoffs before you could see him tying the game with a solo home run. So anyways, he gets walked and this brings in Iglesias. Um, and after getting one out, he's facing Castellanos. And Castellanos drives a fastball to the wall. And Michael Harris makes a tremendous leaping catch against the wall. Um, I think the expected batting average off the bat for Castellanos was like over 600, meaning not many center fielders would have made this catch. And Michael Harris went and got it. And that was just the beginning of the story of this play. He does a great job. Uh, to not celebrate, right? A lot of guys that you make a great catch, now you're pumping your fist, you're celebrating. Um, Ronald Acuna was <laughs> next to him. That was fun to watch. And the bullpen was loving it. But uh, Michael Harris got the ball back into the infield really quickly. Now he threw it to second and it got by Ozzie Albies. But this is where Austin Riley makes a huge heads up play. Uh, he backs up the play. He's able to pick it. Guns over to, to uh, Olsen quickly, and they double off Harper, who had gone all the way past second base on the play. So it's just an awesome instinctual play from Riley, and it, it probably reminded you guys, it reminded me of the Derek Jeter cutoff play that gets played so much uh, by the Yankees fans, right? I thought this was as good or better than that play because there's no reason for Riley to really even be there, most third basemen would have just been sitting at third base uh, waiting for a possible throw uh, from the outfield. So it was just an amazing play. You have no idea what happens if uh, the Phillies are given an extra out there. So it, it ends the game on this uh, really unique double play. Um, and I think it was an 8-5-3 double play, which had never happened before in playoff history. And uh, a double play from the outfield to end the game had never happened in playoff history. So just an awesome moment, guys, for the Braves. And uh, if you have not, um, do yourself a favor and watch Riley's home run and the double play to end the game. Watch that with the fan audio only, right? No, no broadcasters, just fan reaction. Those are so cool to watch online. You can find them pretty easily. And I've been doing that all day. So just a just a great moment and a really fun win for the Braves and a really, really important win. That's kind of obvious, but a really important win for the Braves. So the comeback win in game two saves the Braves from the very difficult task of coming back down 0-2, having to go to Philly to win um, two games. Now, uh, it'd be great to win two games in Philly, but at least win one and get um, get the series back to Atlanta for a game five. Uh, but obviously the task is not quite as difficult as having to go down or having to come back from 0-2. The Braves have still not named a starter for Wednesday's game three. 
so let's talk about game three just a little bit. Uh, will it be Elder? You know, Elder is your other starter that's kind of your first obvious choice. But man, he has struggled greatly, as we all know, at the um, you know second half of the season, basically. Uh, he has struggled. Um, and if you missed it, Kyle Wright is no longer an option. He's been shut down for the season and not only lost for the postseason, but lost for all of 2024. And MRI found something in that shoulder that's been causing him problems all year. So that's a that's a hard pill to swallow that the Braves will be without Wright, not only this postseason, but all of 2024. And um, the Braves, you know, obviously they're going to have to lean more heavily on some starters that are not Kyle Wright. Now, he was going to probably come out of the bullpen, but he was still going to be a really good option for a game like Game 3. So he's not an option anymore. So smith Shaver, Bryce Elder, um, somebody else that we don't foresee uh, in this round of the playoffs. And then, obviously, this makes Charlie Morton coming back from that finger injury all that more important uh, if the Braves are able to get to the NLCS. I will definitely bring you guys more analysis on Kyle Wright and the long-term impacts of not having him for 2024, but that, of course, will be in a later episode. Uh, so here's what I would do for Game 3. I would go with a bullpen game of some sort. Now, personally, I think I would start with Brad Hand coming out of the bullpen. You have a lefty who can go against um, Schwarber and uh, and Harper in that first uh, first inning, no matter what, right? And then you could bring in somebody else coming out of the bullpen. I would probably go with A.J. smith Shaver after hand, and then if he's sharp, you just ride him for as long as possible. Um, you also would avoid him having to start game three and all the butterflies that come with that as a young rookie. He could come in second and then, you know, go from there. So that's what I would do. And, and so basically a bullpen game, um, I think gives the Braves the best chance to, to win. They go against Aaron Nola in game three. Nola has big name recognition. He's, he's been a great pitcher for the Phillies, but he hasn't been as good this season. And, um, you know, I, he's basically been very human this year. Uh, he has good games. He has really bad games. So maybe the Braves can steal game three with a bullpen game. And, you know, hopefully this offense has been awakened and they can just carry, you know, and that hasn't happened yet for the Braves in these first two games. The offense just crushing a pitcher and carrying, uh, carrying the entire team on their backs. And we, of course, know that they are capable of doing that. So that is what I would love to happen. The offense just shows up and 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 takes it. Uh, Philly's going to be rocking. You know, this is a hard place to play. Uh, it's an exciting place to have to come in and play. I'm sure the Braves are embracing that challenge. And look, ultimately, it's just game on. That's what game two did for the Braves. It's one-to-one. -one. It's game on. Who can win the best of three uh, moving forward? And obviously, we think and we hope that the Braves are going to do it. And it's going to be a lot of fun watching, guys. So I appreciate you listening and watching another episode of State of the Braves. Uh, I will certainly be watching these games unfold. And hopefully the Braves can make even more playoff history uh, just like Game 2.